Life happens with Pimelo Mutine on SAFM, leading the conversation. I'm in conversation with really, uh, you know, some inspirational people. And uh, they have been running, uh, they were for a while running a homeless shelter. They've since um, just changed it somewhat to house uh, women and children who, who really need the shelter for protection. So Cheryl Tlabani is an operations ma- manager at Frida Hartley Shelter, joining us uh, on the line. Thank you so much for making the time, Cheryl, and welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Pamela. Thank you for having me. You, you talk to me about the decision to move away slightly from sheltering homeless people and committing yourselves to sheltering women and children. Um, we we have not moved away from sheltering homeless women because the women that get displayed, uh, sorry, displaced because of GBV, end up being homeless. So we take in young women or young mothers who are homeless because they are fleeing an intimate partner, fleeing an abusive home situation or victims of rape and obviously any person that finds themselves homeless for other variety of reasons. Mm. And and in the 90 years that you've been doing this, um, tell me about the journey that you've had. Um, obviously, very different. The dynamics were different when the shelter initially was started. It was for young girls who fell pregnant out of wedlock, and because it was such a big taboo at that point to get pregnant at you know at a young age and have kids, they needed a place for themselves to shelter, um, you know, to find a safe haven. Of fast forward to now, our femicide rate is five times higher than the global average. So, seventy um, percent of our women are fleeing intimate partners, and um, it's sad that when a woman is finding themselves in this type of situation, it is still the victim that has to be displa- uh, displaced and they have to move at the, out of the comfort of their own home and move their children and come and stay in a shelter. So, um, yeah, that's what we do. You speak of a 75% success rate. What do you mean success rate? How do you define success rate? Um, so women that come through our shelters, uh, most of the time the women that come through are women who are financially dependent on their partners and therefore stay in abusive situations or abusive family situations. Um, so it's not just the intimate partner that are perpetrators of abuse as well. So a lot of them lack basic skills um, and unable to find suitable employment to be able to take care of themselves or their children. So um, our shelter is really big on skills development, more so on empowering women through skills um, and then helping them find employment. Women that come through our doors have the opportunity to go back to school, Mm. either finishing a matric or doing um, a qualification at a college. And we have a lot of university um, uh, degreed um, young women that are staying with us and have stayed with us as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a lot of partnership with our donors and recruitment agencies that are able to find them employment, um, yeah, and help them with financial management and therefore, you know, being integrated back into society as productive and contributing members. And obviously, when they have that power and they are empowered, they are then able to make sound decisions. Um, yeah, and be able to take care of themselves more and their children. Um, so 70, 75% of the women mm-hmm. that do come through our doors um, come out having been employed, having gained a skill, um, having a place of their own uh, or having their own businesses. Yeah, but I mean, really at 360 from 
when they initially came through. Thank you so much for that and highlighting the work that you do at the Frida Hartley Shelter here in Johannesburg. They, they really thought, uh, we just felt that they needed to be highlighted and for other people to remember that there are organizations like this. So Ignatius Franz, um, a training advocacy man- manager at the Justice Desk, we decided to roping in on this conversation because we've been wondering for ourselves, well, you know, what do we do as society when we see videos like the one we've seen um, going viral, hashtag Temba. Ignatius, thank you so much for making the time to talk to us. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Camilo. Thank you for having me. Thanks for having look at uh, having a look at that video. Our question is very simple. Uh, we have spoken to you a lot about the bill that has been uh, presented um, and it went to Parliament. It's not yet being signed by the President and it was proposing that as citizens we become part of the solution to gender-based violence. It's not being signed yet. What do we do now? Yeah, this, this is a very important conversation to, to have, especially during this time. But I think it's, there's, there's two, having seen the video, Camilo, there are two critical things that, that we have to actually look at. The first one is how we, obviously, how we raise and how we educate and empower our young men to be men who would protect rather than harm women. But then there's, there's also the second one is also how do we empower our young women to be self-sufficient. So in terms of what the, the previous, uh, your previous guest was just talking about, is that too many of the young women who are in these abusive relationships are dependent on the perpetrator. And as, as a result, we have this cycle of violence that continues. And because of that dependency, women find themselves unable to actually seek help, even when it's clear that they, they ought to. So right now, where we, where we are is uh, a bit kind of, um, our hands are cut off because unless, as the law currently stands, unless she is willing to actually then go to the police and lay a charge of assault and rape and all of those other charges, there's actually nothing that anyone else outside of that situation can actually do. So as, as we speak, nothing can be done for that lady? Nothing can be done. I was, I was speaking to, to, um, to your colleagues and I was saying to them that the best thing that the people who have uh, maybe the best way of intervening would be the families who would then be able to maybe convince um, their child to go and lay a charge. Um, if, they, if there are any uh, you know, leaders in terms of pastoral care, uh, religious leaders who can get involved in that. So right now, the law doesn't actually allow, even though you might have been an eyewitness to that, you wouldn't be able to lay a charge because the actual victim refuses to do so. <laughs> so let's, let's hope and pray that uh, the president will sign uh, those bills into, into law pr- very soon because it will then empower families and friends um, and in particular, I think the one, the one that we always uh, focused on when we had our discussion, Camilo, was that they were in the, I think in the second video, mm-hmm. uh, they are at the police station. Mm-hmm. So the police, if the police officer has any knowledge or suspects that this lady is a victim of gender-based violence, they would actually be able to intervene regardless of whether she lays the charge or not. But as it currently stands, our hands are, are, are really tied. So even the police have to wait for the bill to be signed? At the moment, the police can't do anything? The police can't do anything because the, the law, as it stands, does not allow... unless She would have to consent, right? Which, she would, she would have yeah, to allow I'm, them to, to actually take steps. And at the moment, it doesn't yeah. seem like she's allowing them to do that. 
she is not allowing anyone because she is um, she is protecting um, her, her 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 partner. And so that's that's the first point I was making is that we really need to um, invest in the empowerment of young women and girls so that we we stop uh, you know we we stop the the cycle from from starting because once it starts it's very difficult for 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 women to get out of it. Um, so we need to empower our our young girls right away as soon as possible. Really, Ignatius, I mean. We hope the president signs it. How how hopeful are you? As in time frames, do we have a sense? Do we have? You are. I take it you guys are in the inner circle. <laughs> Give us a, what's the rumor on the ground? What's the rumor? It's not really, but 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 look, the the speed at which all of this has happened um, has been slightly mm. faster than most yeah. most bills. Most bills, when it comes to legislation, mm. um, takes about uh, 18 months minimum, if not more. Mm-hmm. Um, so in, in where we are with this bill, where we all have already had public you know, uh, submissions, and we hopefully will see um, the enactment of the bill in the new year. Um, are I you know joking? Can't the, can't the president sign it within the 16 days of activism? Wouldn't that be the gift? That, that would be that would be ideal, um, but even even if if that were to happen, you know, it it then also one of the issues that we are for for, for um, raising in one of our um, submissions to to the president has been the training mm. and the uh, you know equipping of police officers because some of the issues even when they are very clear and very evident at the ground level where you are going to lay a charge at the police station the police themselves will then say to you, you know what, this is a private matter. Go and sort it out yourself. You. you know, so Thank you, though, for that. Even, 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 when, even right now, even yeah. if a police officer, even if a victim were to go to a police station, mm. it is not always guaranteed that you will find someone who actually understands what, um, what the law in terms of gender-based violence actually says and what the rights of the victims um, are. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of work that needs to be done, not just in enacting law that will help uh, victims and families, but actually that's going to uh, insist that people who are working with these victims are trained, are adequately skilled, uh, not just the police, but even the, um, you know, in the process of, of, of gathering evidence, there's the medical personnel who has to then test certain things mm. and has to investigate certain things. Mm. Those people also need um, adequate training. Yeah. Because if you look, if you are in a place like Cape Town, Johannesburg, or Pretoria, or these bigger cities, you might be lucky in finding a forensic nurse or someone who, who actually specializes in these types of things. But in the rural areas, in the small towns in, in, in our country, those skills are, are, are rare and are not you know, readily available. So when the, that nurse is actually gathering evidence, they might be doing something wrong, and in, in which case it might harm the entire legal process um, uh, for the victim, then, you know, we, we're sitting with a low conviction rates because of such things. Mm. Ignatius Franz, thanks. Uh, thank you so much for coming in at such short notice. He's a training advocacy manager at the Justice Desk. That brings us to two o'clock. Let's go to Utsila Saku for the latest in SABC News.